You're listening to the Poster Boy Podcast. Our mission is to help young entrepreneurs in small town America start, grow, and manage 21st century businesses. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, this is Chad. Hey, and this is Drew. Today, we're going to talk about a quote. All right. Today's quote is by Joshua J. Marine, author. Challenges are what make life interesting, and overcoming them is what makes life meaningful. I love that quote, and I think by the end of this podcast, people are going to hear a couple of interesting challenges that we've overcome, and maybe as a byproduct, people will think we have interesting lives, or that we've <laughs> we've we've attacked these challenges through interesting ways. At least, Chad, what's a what's a challenge that immediately comes to your mind that something significant that you overcame or maybe something insignificant, but you think is a good, a good starter challenge to set the, set the tone for today. I think part of being an entrepreneur is that this is something that you, you live by this quote, right? You just literally live by it. But the number one challenge that I can, that always comes to mind anytime we talk about challenges is how we overcame printing and shipping posters to start printing on site. It was by and large one of the biggest hurdles that we overcame, but it also had the greatest reward and it set the stage for our operations even to this day, years later. So, to really explain the problem and how we overcame it, we used to print posters when we first got started. We would take pictures of kids, we would uh, print a sample, and then we would take orders at events or wherever we were at. And then we would come back to our office. We would print these things. And so number one, we had a printer. So just, just to try and explain this, and I hope I can make it clear. We had a printer called an HP design jet. And this printer was 24 inches wide. And our posters were 36 inches in width, actually, when they were sideways, they were 36 inches in width. So we had to print two posters side by side. And the printers did not print borderless. So imagine putting two posters in the middle of this paper and it comes out with a white border all the way around the two posters that are combined. So number one, the posters printed wet, so we couldn't cut them. So then in our little bitty office that we had, we had built, we took a, an A or an L bracket and we put these little shelves all over this office. And I mean, if you could just imagine having like a hundred shelves. Okay. They were like four inches apart and we would slide these, print these posters off and slide them in there, slide them in there all day. And then we would let them dry for a full day. And the next day we would come in and we would cut them down the middle. And then what that would leave is it would be borderless on the bottom of one poster and on the top of the other. But then the other three sides of the poster had white going all the way around them. And because we were young and lazy and didn't really think about everything we were doing and what, what the customer, the perception the customer had of us. We, we never thought about it, giving them a completed product. And so the frames that, that people would buy to put our posters in were 11.75 inches tall by 36 inches long. But the poster that we were shipping them was 12 inches tall by 36 inches long. So everything that we shipped to a customer, they had to literally trim it with scissors. and just looking back on that, it just, wow. I just—I just want to apologize to anyone that's listening that got one of those posters. 
because trimming that thing was awful. And that's why we didn't do it because it was just too much of a pain. But so whenever we would print or we would cut these posters, we had this little, I don't even know what you'd call it. It was kind of like a slicer type thing, but the problem was they were 36 inches long. So we didn't have a cutter. And when we would cut them, sometimes we had to sit this cutter on there and we would scratch the poster because they were real heavy ink jet. Yeah, it was awful. And so then going back to when I first met Peter and he came in and he said to us that, you know, if you really want to change everything, you have to figure out how to print these things on site. And at the time I said, man, I don't even think it's possible. And, you know, and then that goes back to, and and that's mentioned in the book, Drew, Um, you know, the poster boy now being live on Amazon, it has a tons of challenges and things that I've overcome. And one of them specifically deals with Peter. And when he told us that we should overcome and, and start printing on site. And so when, when he did say that to me and I told him like, ah, I don't think this can happen or whatever. He's like, Chad, if you want to build a great company and you want to be profitable, you want to solve really hard problems. And which he was exactly right. You know, and he reminded us that we have to think that way instead of thinking about why things can't happen. We have to figure out why they can. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you, no. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let me ask you when you, when this was happening, obviously you were, you were doing what you knew you, you were, you were doing things. Maybe, maybe there was a bit of cost savings there, or it was, um, it was just the way you had always done things. At what point did you realize it was, it was holding your business back that you knew that you couldn't, you couldn't take your business to the next level, or maybe said another way was the inspiration to change your, your entire delivery model. What was that? what pushed you to say, wow, we can really take our business to the next level rather than holding you back. It was something that was purpose-driven and, um, you know, really just going to take your business to the next level. Well, so, okay. Looking at it today, I think the answer is different than if I was looking at it in the moment. So in the moment, I think it's important to understand that I, I care so much about lifestyle over money always have. And, you know, plan on always that being the case. So for me, what I saw was that I would work all weekend, then have to work all week printing and shipping all of the orders. So the, the thing that I just kept thinking was, man, after Peter said that every time I would go to an event, I just thought like, how great would it be to give a customer their product and it be over? And then when Monday rolls around, I have all week off. And so I think that was the first level of inspiration. Like it was just lifestyle. And then once we achieved it, the very first time we did it, at that point, everything changed because we like the thing that we saw or that I specifically saw was that I saw lifestyle. That was all that was that was lasered in on that. And then the minute that I saw that when we printed on site, we solved more problems than I ever imagined. Yeah. To give you an example, directors are the, the biggest hurdle that we had getting into events in the beginning was they had always been burned by photographers. People had taken orders and never shipped them. They weren't delivered. And now these directors are getting phone calls from angry customers because they took their money. They didn't deliver the product and it makes the director look bad. So when we were able to print on site, we were an instant fan favorite from directors because now they had no more phone calls, right? You just order it and you get it. And today it seems so logical. Like how could we ever do it without doing that way? 
But so if, if, and also Drew, to go back to your point of, or your question, it became purpose-driven because it created a path where we could, we could hire people. We could hire quality people because we actually had a legitimate business that was something that was worth something. You know, we were actually able to print a product and do it right there. But then we created this new problem, whereas we had to now be able to make right. the posters because what would happen in the, in the past, we would take these pictures and we just had samples of other random teams that we had taken and we would sell, sell hopes and dreams basically. And now that we could print them on site, well, we had to be able to make them on site in the same speed. That was that was a huge hurdle. So, you know, solving the one problem created a whole new set of problems. But the problems were yeah. better, which goes back to, you know, the theme of my existence and the theme <laughs> of the book is you can tell a lot about a person by the quality of their yeah. problems. <clears throat> let, let me add. I like that, and it's it's an interesting perspective that, you know, whenever we think entrepreneurship, we think, you know, it's blood, blood sweat, and tears for the sake of the holy dollar. What you, what you were doing, this innovation, this challenge, and the way you overcame it, it was you seeking a better lifestyle, right? Freedom, right? Could you go and not be necessarily a, a slave to your business any given Tuesday, right? This quote, has a lot of reverence because you were purposely trying to make your life more meaningful, right? It, so it wasn't just that overcoming challenges makes life more meaningful, or it's, it's what makes life meaningful, but you, you overcame this challenge to have greater meaning in your life. Could you tell me, I'm sure you learned something, right? Like every time that you overcome a challenge, you learn how to think about challenges, how to frame solutions. Was there a was there a thought process or a way of thinking that came as a as an output of this? Yes, Ugh, man. So this is one of those. I would say, in, in all honesty, this was probably the first major thing that that I overcame. That it changed. It almost changed everything. And it wasn't that we were able to achieve it. It was that once it happened, we started realizing that Peter was right. When we solved a hard problem, it created a lot, a lot of problems that were also hard, okay, that if you were to look at some of them today, overcoming them were much, much, much more difficult than overcoming printing on site. The, the pro, you know, putting design in a different country, th those are way, way more complex and solving language barriers and having a, a communication chain that doesn't need translation tools, right? Building the infrastructure. These things were so much harder. But if you go all the way back, it couldn't have happened if we didn't print on site. And printing on site changed my life in general because it did free up my weeks just like I anticipated that it would. And then we started understanding and learning what a complementary product was, right? By adding the frame. Because then it allowed us to do that. Because in the, if, you, if you go back to when we were printing and shipping, I mean, we could barely get these things delivered in tubes. Imagine putting them in a frame. I mean, with shipping it in a frame with glass, we had no idea. And you didn't know how to get plexiglass. There's just so many problems when we start digging into this one that we overcame. But every time you overcome one of these major hurdles, 
you know, where where the, the quote says overcoming them is what makes life meaningful. I cannot agree more with basically anything, because every time we've overcome a huge hurdle. You look back and it's a, it's a catalyst, right? Today we sell, I mean, tens of thousands of frames. And when, when you sell those, you, you don't even think about it, right? Today, it's just an automated process for us. We ship our frames out on pallets, but to think about where they are today, we had to figure out how do you ship freight? I mean, we, we couldn't even use the post office and now we're working with LTL carriers you know, and th- we just look at these things. I don't know. Sometimes it's even hard for me to to put it all into words because of all the problems that we solved. I don't even know yeah. where you would begin. But yes, putting a printer, you know, and I guess it's probably important to say, how did we solve that? Right. Because first of all, this printer that prints with ink, we didn't solve it with that. So the way that we did it was we transferred over to a new type of printer that printed dry and it was it printed 36 inches wide. So it actually increased our print time also, and they came out dry. So again, this hurdle instantly made all of the innovation that we had made for holding our wet posters obsolete. Now we just had a bunch of shelving units on the wall that were no longer needed. And if you, you know, if you look back, all the things that we had solved over time were obsolete. Now, looking forward, as, you, as we accomplish this, we then built like, man, I, I'm just running through it in my head and I feel bad for everyone out there. that can't see the, the progression of what happened from there. But so imagine this printer being in the back of a van. So first of all, against everyone's advice, every the people we bought them from, they're like, you cannot transport these things, right? They have to be in like travel mode, which drains all the ink and all this other stuff. And we were like, you know what? I believe we can make enough money that if we break these things, we can just buy another one. That was what I believed, you know? And it. so- we put these, we built these boxes to put these printers in, Drew, that they like collapsed and we had styrofoam inside of them and you needed like three people to get the printer out. And then we had to sit it in the back of the van because we didn't want anyone knowing what kind of printer we were using. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I could go on. For yeah. A month no, I think I've seen one sorry. of these boxes too. Um, yeah. It seems like one innovation supported the other. I'll. I'll look at this or I'll discuss this concept of innovation here in a second, but let me, let me bring people back to the last couple of episodes where we've, I I think to our credit, we've really underlined challenges, right? A business is just a collection of challenges that they overcame at one form, one form or another that challenges are something that are inevitable, right? And it could be a challenge in the market. It could be a challenge in your business, right? Competitors, price, problems. Maybe the first challenge is believing that you can overcome a challenge. And I know that sounds kind of weird to say it like that, but from my perspective, it's almost like riding a bike, right? Like you're going to fall off. You're going to bust your knee the first couple of times. But when you realize that you can, that you can with enough hard work, effort, dedication, and just tenacity overcome a challenge and when you see that it it does reap rewards for your for your business in in your instance chad in your life that it tells you that you should be dead set on overcoming challenges and if you don't see a challenge in your business right now then maybe you need to look a little harder what what do you think about that (laughs) i could not agree more and you know to piggyback off of what you said 
you also, for people listening, entrepreneurship is a lifestyle. It's very much a lifestyle and your problems are generally correlated. Your life problems and your business problems, they tend to go hand in hand. And so if you see someone that's, that has turmoil in their business, odds are their personal life is the same way. So the key to all of this is seeking out your problems and being proactive versus reactive. And you want to evaluate everything that you're doing. So evaluating your personal life, evaluating your business and finding ways in which you can improve. And every time you improve, once you establish those newer, newer norms, then it provides a new opportunity for greater improvement. It's the same thing with our business. When we started, the problem was we had to print these wet posters. Then the problem became we print them on site. Wow, this is amazing. Then the problem became how do we grow without having to hire a bunch of graphic designers that are willing to travel with us in vans all over the country and sleep in hotels. Then we try to solve that. And so as we were doing that at the same time, you know, your personal life, you're, you're trying to figure out how, you know, for me personally, I was trying to figure out what do I want to do with my time? Is this what I want to do with my life? Right. And it's funny because the business was trying to find its identity at the same time I was trying to find oh my, my identity. I love that. I love that. And quote. then, yeah, no, that that makes so sense. tying in lifestyle business. I mean, being an entrepreneur is a is a lifestyle choice. And, and what you just said is so powerful because and we think back to I think it was an episode or, episode or two ago where we discussed, you know, how businesses are like a like a plant, right? We, with the right amount of water and sunlight, it will grow talking to its organic nature. You're growing into your business. The business is growing around you, you start hiring new people, start solving new challenges, and it continues to grow up into the point to where maybe you feel like you've plateaued, right? You're in a, you're in a comfort zone. But then let's think back to this concept of interesting. If you think that you've plateaued, you've reached the top, you've got 30 employees, you're in your multiple continents, there's bound to be something that's, that's a challenge that persists today and overcoming it will contribute to your life overall, right? Like it will continue to grow you as a person, right? And also grow the business ultimately towards more profitability, more time, uh, a better culture. There's just a lot of components to this. And and, and I'm just really, just really impressed by that, the way you framed that. (laughs) Well, thank you. um, Okay, so going, just going back into this quote, I want, I have an uncle who owned a, I don't even know, it was a printing company. It was in a, in a small town. And he said something to me one day that really stuck with me. And I just want to point it out because it goes with challenges, okay? And I want to talk about just kind of where we've gotten to today and how. And my uncle said to me that he was more profitable on $750,000 in gross sales than he was on $2 million in gross sales. And for anyone listening who's never achieved those types of sales, it's a very, very hard concept to understand. But I can tell you that that is 100% true for us as well. Because as your revenue increases you know, by a large factor, the, the infrastructure that you had originally won't support it. Okay, So just to give you an example, uh, Drew, when we built our website, we built this back end. And I think you and I, we had this conversation today on the phone prior to 
you know, prior to talking about this in person. But so um, one of the things that happened when we built our initial site, we were we had to have a spot for task and we had to have a chat, the ability to chat. And so for this to run, when we were running only a handful of crews, we could constantly ping the website every five seconds to check for new chats or to check for new tasks that were being created. Well, that was no big deal. But then once we scaled up to 20 locations and you've got 20 people uploading tasks and 20 people chatting and you're constantly pinging the website, you're burning through tons and tons of data. Okay. And so all of a sudden, the same, like whenever we ran with five crews, we could have a little hotspot that had 15 gigabytes and it was perfectly fine for a month. But when you add 20 crews to the weight of that, now all of a sudden you need 100 gigabyte data data packs for every location, right? And all of a sudden, all of these things start increasing. And then what you do is you start, again, looking at the problems that you have and the areas that are costing you the most money, and you find ways to innovate. So then when we redid the back end of our site, we built it on a different platform, which we've talked about, Node, which is instantly responsive, uses tremendously less data. And now we've been able to scale back. But to be able to do that costs us $80,000 in building this to get it to where we could go back and have less expensive bills. And so you have to rebuild the infrastructure. And what we've gotten to today is we try to forecast if we're doing you know, a, a 100% increase in sales, could our current infrastructure support it? Because what you find is if you start thinking the right way, you can solve these problems in advance and save yourself a lot of money yeah. by trying to backdate. No, it does. You know the solutions. I hope that makes sense for anyone listening. But as as you're solving problems, really look at the challenges that you currently hold and try to forecast. If you solve a problem, what types of new ones could it create? And I think if you can do those things and, and create the habit of doing that, you will put yourself in a much better position as you scale. I love it. Okay, cool. <laughs> You know, I, for me, it's so hard, Drew. This is the hardest thing because I have so many, so many things that I want to share because challenges are, they are the key to everything and overcoming them is what so, is, is literally without overcoming them, you're stagnant. And so I, there's so many challenges that go through my head. Like today, this is, and I will be a really fast tidbit for people listening. But so for us, as, as you think about building a company that could be sold, which is how every company should be built, regardless of whether you intend on selling or not, you have to look at things, right? So for me, I have to look at, do we grow automatically or am, do I have to be involved, right? Do we, do we, are we achieving things automatically or do we need a certain person to be involved? And if you are dependent on certain people, you, you do not have something you can sell. And so for us, we had to look at, okay, we just had to put a map of the United States out and say, okay, these are the new areas that we want to hit in, in this next year. And we have a girl in, in LA, um, her name's Melissa. She's amazing. And she works on our growth. And so what she does is she posts job ads there. She hires people, she flies in. And once she hires someone, she puts them in touch with our event coordinator. And we talk, you know, they talk a few months in advance prior to our start date. And then we do that. And then she... Uh, they, th then she reaches out to the person in charge of shipping supplies and freight, and we ship everything there for the new location. And then she gets all of the training ready for these people. And then we get them set up on payroll. And it, it's this full process now that happens because we've built systems around these things happening. 
And so we just plan it out. This is who's going to be in charge of that. This is who's in charge of this. And, and then now those things just happen. And we have a company that is just naturally evolving and growing. And so for someone listening who's just getting started, this for me is, I can, I can tell you, I feel like we are in, in the, like the peak moment of being an entrepreneur because everything's exciting. It's still really challenging, but we're moving faster and it's really rewarding from a purpose standpoint because you feel like your energies and efforts that you've put in for all of the years prior are really starting to pay off and we're able to grow and do things that it's so much fun. And our problems today are harder than ever and they make you want to bang your head against a wall all the time. But then at the end of the day, every night when you lay down, you ask yourself a question and, and I think everyone should do this. And it's, if you could redo today, would you? And if the answer is not yes, then you're not living right. Okay, you want to you want every you want to be able to redo every day. You'd be willing to live it five times. I I, yes. I would really love to hear a challenge that you've overcame, because you have a different perspective. And I know that we're really yeah. extending the the podcast here, you know, but I, I, a, I really would like to hear it's one. Such a good question. It would be unfair for me to say that I have these giant entrepreneurial challenges that I've overcome only being seven months into <laughs> this lifestyle. Um, may and may, maybe this is a you tell me how this how this resonates because I'm gonna I'm gonna say it through the lens of the process of how I overcame a challenge, and I think the greatest challenge that I've ever had was this supposed lack of education that comes when you don't go to college, and it's the, it's this one thing the stigma oh that is that is the word the stigma of not the going stigma. to college where I've I've applied at jobs and I actually had one recruiter said they legally couldn't interview me because they were only interviewing candidates who had college degrees. And it completely blew my mind that the stigma still exists. Luckily, you know, and this, this goes back five or six years ago, luckily you're seeing larger organizations like Princeton, Waterhouse, Cooper, and these other consulting firms where they're, they don't care, right? Because they want, they want experience. They want tenacity. Um, intelligence. So I said, and I know Chad, I think, I think you people have heard you say this before, and I know that I've heard you say it where we don't want to give college the credit for our success <laughs> because, because it, it's like, maybe it's, we're proving yeah, to the world absolutely. that it's, it's arbitrary and unnecessary. And if someone picks up, you know, the poster boy book, I think they probably just blew through two semesters at a, at a business school. In, in, in 150 pages. But to, to overcome the challenge, I said that knowledge, yeah, right. I said to myself that knowledge doesn't come from an institution. Knowledge comes from experience in applying yourself. So, and I think I've shared this before where I had my first kid on the way. I had quit my job to start another business that only lasted, I think, a month. And I said that I, like, I, only have control over our family's destiny. No one else can control our success. I control my success and our, our family's success. So I taught myself to code. I taught myself to design. I did all of these things. I picked up any single book subscription I could. I basically had a tuition's worth of online subscriptions to learning academies to learn whatever I could. And overcoming this challenge has contributed to me being able to very 
easily switch gears between multiple topics and different challenges, right? Like on one second, one second I can talk coding, and the next second I can talk business challenges. And what this taught me was that if there's something that is worth overcoming, the knowledge is likely a quick Google away. And and I it just it bugs me to no end that people are always so helpless. Well, and Drew, today there are so many studies that are being done on, you know, the importance of visualizing your future and vision boards and things along those lines. And then there's a lot of power to that because a vision board is basically just a goal. Okay. Like a, the for me, there is no finish line, right? That's not how life works. You don't those are different terms of happiness. Like there's a short term, a medium term, a long term. But I think for people when they start realizing that what what creates the most purpose is working on hard problems and solving them and then creating harder ones and working on them and solving them because you feel that you feel a good, you just feel good. It's like finishing a workout. You just feel great about it. But, you know, Drew, just getting to the action plan for, for someone who is listening, what could you leave here and do? And I think part of it is to number one, evaluate the current problems in your life. What are they? What are the biggest problems in your life? What are the biggest challenges that you see in front of you? And write them down. And then list out what an optimal outcome would be, whether it be on a vision board, whether it's on a yellow legal pad, whether it's on you know a computer app on your phone. It doesn't really matter how you do it. But at the end of the day, you, you definitely want to, anything that you break down and you put for a, you know, an, an ideal outcome, you want to create action steps for achieving that. So whatever, if it's, if it's something as simple as losing weight, right? So it's such a common goal that a lot of people share. So if your goal is to lose 50 pounds or 20 pounds, let's just use 50 pounds to make it easy. If your goal is to lose 50 pounds, you don't lose 50 pounds in one day. You lose 50 pounds over the course of two years, okay? And it's two pounds a month, right? And then all of a sudden, after two years, you've lost 48 pounds. But along the way, you've developed a lifestyle. And then once you achieve losing those 48 or 50 pounds at the end of it. Now you're going to have new things because it, just because you achieve it doesn't mean you stop and go back to how you were. You've become a better person along the way because you've solved a problem. You've changed your lifestyle. And whatever, whatever the problem, whatever the challenge is or multiple challenges, you just, just write them down, list optimal outcomes and get to work. I love it. You know, as, <laughs> just as Nike it. said, it's so funny. It's so cliche, but just That's do great. it. So I think that leads us into tomorrow's quote and what we'll end with today, which is by Nelson Mandela. Uh, it always seems impossible until it's done. This has been another episode of the Poster Boy Podcast brought to you by utproducts.com. Find and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at theposterboybook.com to grab your copy of the book.